0: Welcome back to another edition of the Internet's Most Dangerous Tottenham Hotspur Podcast. It is Wheeler Dealer Radio. We are back with two cup games and a lot of transfer news to talk about. But before we get started, I want to remind our listeners to follow us on our Twitter account at WDR Podcast. That's WDR as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. And leave us a five-star review because it's very cold outside and we need uh, something to keep us warm. So why not be pixels of your positive five-star reviews? on either iTunes or now Spotify. People have been leaving us reviews on Spotify and they're very nice reviews. So we appreciate that. So leave us uh, something to feel good about because there's not a lot of that going on in the games uh, this week. So yeah, uh, I am your host, Craig, and we have the whole panel with us this week. Joining us are our national champion of American collegiate sports from the state of Georgia. It is it is Ben Daniels. Ben, how, how excited are you for a Blue State to finally have uh taken the national title back?
1: How about them dogs? Yeah, it's uh it's, it's nice to see what it, what winning a trophy feels like. Uh But you didn't think Georgia would do track. that
0: before uh Spurs, huh?
1: Yeah, I mean I guess I have seen Spurs lift a trophy before Georgia. <laughs> so technically that's not true. Um But, uh, yeah, I definitely didn't expect, you know, during the Pochettino years. Spurs have actually won quite a few trophies since George won their last trophy, now that I think about it. That's definitely true. It's been 42 years. But uh, I wasn't a Spurs fan for all of that time. And I'm not 42 years old, so. Yet. Yet. (laughs) Thanks, Brian. You're welcome.
0: And uh, coming to us from uh, the slopes of Florida, uh, I'm sure his college is the champion of something. It's Brian Ashlock.
2: Hey, uh, I I literally don't know what I, my college is the champion of journalism. We're the champion of journalism, and everybody that works at ESPN will let you know about it whenever we do something notable.
0: Isn't Syracuse the champion
2: of journalism? Nope, nope. Syracuse sure. is not. Nope. One hundred percent positive. Syracuse, <laughs> Columbia, Northwestern—they are pretenders to the throne.
1: Don't Maryland. The University
2: of Missouri. Uh, no, 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 not Maryland.
0: <laughs> So yeah, uh, I'm not the champion of anything either. Um, I'm just I'm just a poor poor Spurs fan, and and all my teams in uh, American sports have been eliminated from the playoffs this year, or they're about to be in the case of uh, college athletics. Uh, go Terps! Uh, anyway, we have uh, several games to talk about this week. Uh, we're going to start with uh, with Morecam. <laughs> Or That was good. That was very good.
1: Morecam, uh
0: as I would say last week.
1: I think it was more can be more can be
0: <laughs> more can Um, I don't know what's worse me affecting a Texas accent for that or just how I normally try to do it with my Baltimore accent anyway uh, was for, that Texas is that what you were trying uh, to do you know like who can say uh, have you you're, been to Texas you're from so a J school you you do some research figure it out right <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah so uh, this cup match uh, it ended fine right nothing to be concerned about
2: I mean, Joe Roden
0: is officially not good. Um, I mean, like, so are are the dearly departed, well, not so dearly departed, because he he has resumed his appearances on this podcast. Uh, Michael Cayley made this point um, about Ndombele today, who we'll get to in a little bit, but I think it's worth pointing about Joe Roden. You know, it's the old Raylan Givens quote. Like, you know, if you run into an asshole in the morning, you ran into an asshole. If you keep running into assholes all day, maybe you're the asshole, and... You know, Joe Roden's been a guy who's really worn his welcome, I feel like. And now he's only getting starts when it's absolutely necessary, so.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that was probably the only takeaway of any sort of substance that I had from this game. Other than that, maybe Lucas should always play against lower league opposition. Um,
0: but yeah. I do think, and I... I I I mean this in the nicest possible way because it's not a slam on Lucas. Lucas should always play against lower league opposition because he has a unique skill set that teams below the championship do not know how or have the ability to cope with, which is his acceleration. And it's always very fun watching Lucas play guys in League 1 or League 2 because they don't know how to deal with him when he starts sprinting around them. And, like, if there was any starter that I would have put in this match, it would have been Lucas. Well, and it's,
2: it's not just the acceleration, it's the acceleration and the technical skill, like in the premier league or in champions league, it's not quite as impressive. Like there are lots of really fast guys that are very technical and in the championship and, and lower divisions, you have kind of one or the other. You're either very fast, um, or you are very technical. um, and so his combination of those. And usually two...
1: neither. <laughs> yeah,
2: honestly, usually neither. But when you combine both of them, they're like, "Oh shit, you just did step overs at full speed!" Like I don't know what to do with that. Um, yeah, it really works for him.
1: But... Yeah. it was a dice. It was a dicey game that we shouldn't have required a Lucas Mora masterclass to turn around.
0: Well, I think that's like if there is a flaw beyond just they were players who weren't up for it, which, again, we'll get to in a minute. Like, I do think not putting anything resembling a striker on the pitch led to some of these problems. And I don't even mean a good striker. Like, a Vinicius-like substance would have solved a lot of problems. Frankly, like, just putting Lucas Moura up top, I think, would have solved a lot of these problems that we had until we brought on the Calvary late in the game. But it was not an encouraging display from Spurs, in the first half especially.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest takeaway is definitely the desperate need for a backup striker of any any kind of quality. You know, I mean, we started the season thinking Dane Scarlett was going to be something, and he's been less than nothing. And, like, whatever, he's a teenager. That was a lot to put on him, but, you know, we were all very hopeful. But it became very quick, clear very quickly that that wasn't going to cut it. And, yeah, once Sun gets hurt, Or whatever like we just have no striker like substance left of this club and it's a problem and like brian gets so few runouts in this team to make him play like a pseudo striker is it's just really unfair to the poor kid who like could have used this match to like learn how to play a real role that might be useful for the team and instead he was left doing a a terrible striker impression
0: well this is something that i think wendy bangs on a lot about in the extra inch and i don't think he's wrong about it which is this a team b team stuff is really detrimental uh you know it's when you barely have any first teamers in there and i understand especially on defense a lot of guys were hurt but you know it's like these guys it's probably sending the wrong message to these guys these guys aren't fit these guys aren't in the probably the right mental headspace. i mean it's just you're unless you've been like especially drilling these players for it which i'll bet that's not something that goes on all the time you know you're gonna run into some of these problems because even if you, you know, account for the fact that maybe they they aren't like sandbagging it, they're still they're not going to be in sync. They're not going to be as sharp, and it's a problem. And I think you can see that even like assuming the best of intentions for everyone involved, you know, it's it's these guys are rusty. They're not ready, and it, it you know.
1: It does nobody any favors. Yeah,
0: you combine that with the sort of not putting a striker out there, and you saw what happened, and it's it's very bad.
1: Yeah. Um, did anybody emerge from that with any credit out of the starting eleven?
2: Uh Harry Winks played okay.
0: I thought
1: Welcesso wasn't a great cross.
0: <laughs> well yeah. wasn't a disaster, but I mean, did he come on later? I'm, God, I, I, I can't. No, he started. He was yeah. good.
1: He was probably. I mean, I don't think he match. was great. I mean, he created a bunch. He had an assist. Like
0: I don't think he was great, but, like, yeah, he wasn't. He didn't embarrass himself. Unlike uh, another guy who got bought in the same summer mm-hmm. as him, who had a really bad day at the office. He's just
1: Sessegnon. He's young. Yeah, exactly. I thought Sessegnon
0: wasn't bad, actually. I, I think between these two games, I am, like, a little frustrated with Sessegnon, what Sessegnon does with the ball when he gets in the final third but out of a fullback that, you know, I could level worse criticisms at a fullback. I mean, he's better than Doherty playing on the wrong side, so... You're better than Doherty playing on the right side, so,
2: I mean... Uh, I You've never seen me play. I don't need uh, to, right? <laughs> Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess... I guess the thing we should probably talk about is the... Uh, I mean
0: Dembele coming off. I mean, unless we want Indombele, to talk about Delhi,
2: yeah. Sorry, and Dombélé, or, or or we could talk about Delhi Alley. No, because
0: Delhi, I thought had anonymous performance, but I mean, I think he was he was what he was. But like, and Dombélé's been, I mean, and Dombélé's been such a lightning rod at this club, like for a lot of this discourse and a lot of nonsense. But it really feels like we crossed the Rubicon in this game. He was very anonymous. He wasn't good. All the problems with none of the benefits, didn't look invested in the game, and getting beyond the body language thing because body language, you know, playing body language expert is always a fraught, um, adventure. But you know, the fact that he's like walking off the pitch as slowly as he was, when you've got guys like, I mean, immediately after you've got Brian hauling his ass off the pitch, you're down one nil in like the second half, like you know, get a move on. It's just. It felt like sort of a needless provocation from him that just sort of underlines how unhappy he is and just how this isn't going to work. And we saw from reporting that Conte was trying to make it work, and it looks like he's given up on that too now. So, Ben.
1: (laughs) I mean, I think, honestly, like, it seemed done before the game even started for Ndombele. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there were ways back before. The the, there like, were ways
0: back before this game. Now there, I don't think there are.
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty clear. I mean, he was left out of the squad for the Chelsea match. It was reported that Conte said he checked with the club. The club was fine with his decision. You know, like he's not going to be here much longer. It's it's a shame that it didn't work out, but it's over. But I think, like, I don't know, like, just just hustle off the pitch. Like, I don't care. If you're getting booed like oh, first of all fuck everybody who was booing like yeah. just there's just no call for that like he was a guy who we had high hopes for you know he did give us some very good performances under Jose Mourinho in a team that was not very good and people seem to either forget that or it was never enough for them in the first place and like it would have been nice for him to just end his career on a little less miserable of a note um but walking down the tunnel to a sea of booze is just like, this is just a sad end to a story. Well, it's, it's,
0: it's always fraught. Cause I'm generally of the opinion, you don't boo your own players. Like, I mean, I, I've done, I've said this yeah. as as before. You don't, there's no, it's, it's counterproductive. It's nasty. There's no real reason for it, but you know, it was like, you, you look at the videos of it and it's like, he was going off the light booze and then he just keeps on strolling around and it gets a lot worse from there. And it's, it's, weird. It's, it's been such a weird discourse around Ndombele because for whatever reason, and I think there's a lot of reasons, it's become because he wasn't firing when he got here. And when he got here, there was so much else bad going on at the club that I think he became a bit of a focal point for at least some of the attention. There's just been so much discontent around him from the fan base. And on the flip side of that, I think a lot of Spurs... You know, Ben, I, I think you're sort of my avatar for this, but a lot of Spurs fans sort of clung to him because he was one of our better players when we weren't all that interesting. And one of the players who would actually do stuff that was fun to watch when we weren't doing a lot of fun stuff to watch. So he became like almost sort of a resistance figure when Jose was, you know, being like when Jose was Jose, like especially because he was feuding with Jose and Jose was being such an asshole about it. I said Jose a lot in the last minute, but it's, he, he almost filled this sort of role at the club, and then I think it's been really disappointing that first under Nuno and then under Conte, like, we keep waiting for it to be like, okay, here's a fresh start, hopefully this is the opportunity where it kicks on, and I think the thing that's frustrating is, you know, I think some of the criticisms that were leveled at him that had no basis in reality have kind of ended up being true, Um, and, uh, you know, again, like, I think we did not treat him well at the club. I think in retrospect with everything that fell apart, it was a bad situation for a player like him to walk into, but at the same time, I get why fans are frustrated with him because he hasn't, at least for a while, he hasn't been handling this well. And...
1: Right. The fact is, is like everybody on the team had to go through a pretty similar three years (laughs) and most of them handled it better and... You know, at some point, like, I have to stop making excuses for a guy who did bring me a lot of joy in some dark, dark times and who I definitely held up as, like, an avatar for, like, a better things are possible, you know, world. Um, but, you know, at this point, it's like, we finally have a real coach. We finally have the opportunity to make that better future possible. And... He wasn't on board with it, or it was cool. too little too late for him, and, like, you know, a guy like Harry Winks, who got chucked in the trash under Jose Mourinho, came back fighting, and, like, you know, credit to him, has, like, earned a spot with this team, and, and Don Blake could have done that, like, I get why maybe he was past that point mentally or whatever, but, like, that's no excuse, you know, at some point, like, I want Spurs to be good, and You've stopped being somebody who represents a possibility for for being better, and you've become just sort of a a relic of all the dark times. And that is not what I ever hoped for him or saw for him, but that's where we are.
2: And, I mean, it's frustrating because, you know, you have someone who, before he comes to your club, has, you know, so much promise, who you pay a club record fee for, and who like Ben said, gives you these moments of brilliance who, who shows you at times, like, like exactly why he was the player that we thought he was. And then it just never fully materialized. And, you know, I, I don't know if it was just the Jose situation or the managerial situation as a whole that he came into. I don't know if it was settling in a new country. I don't know if it was, you know, before the season, we got rid of uh, Ori and Sissoko who were some of his closest friends on the team. Uh, You know, it could be any, any number of things. Um, But like Ben said, when you have a moment like this it just kind of snaps you back to reality and makes you think like, okay, um, you know, maybe this is just now, now this is an albatross around our neck. Maybe this is something that we just have to agree. Didn't work out the way we all wanted to, didn't work out the way we thought it would. And, and you have to move on. Um, I, 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 you know, if we hadn't spent the amount of money that we did on him, I think it would be a much easier thing to move on from, you know, like, you know, how many promising younger players have we bought and been like, eh, not good enough. And, and instead we, we've, we've hung on and hung on and hung on to the hope that, uh, and is, is, is something more is, you know, the guy that, you know, can become, you know, a Kevin De Bruyne or, uh, a, a, a player that can really, take us to the next level or a Christian Erickson, you know, whatever the case may be. And it's just never happened. And, and I don't know if it'll happen, you know, at any top club, Um, you know, maybe, maybe his level is really good player who can try occasionally on a mediocre team. You know, maybe he is the modern or more modern Hatem Ben Arfa. Uh, you know, I or... or, or uh, God, that's depressing. <laughs> or, I mean, you know, uh, Nabil Fakir, or, you know, some player...
0: <laughs> but that's actually probably a really good comparison.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, like, these are guys who are undeniably talented, um, who who have the ability to play at top clubs and perform in in big games and in big moments, and just, but just generally speaking... Not really all that interested in doing so. Um, and look, I'm not going to try to spe- act like I know what's going on in Tongi's head, like that I know what his situation was, or that I know exactly what happened or why he did it. Uh, all, all we can say is we can look at the performances on the pitch and we can go, it just hasn't been good enough. Regardless of what his body language is, regardless of walking off the field slowly, regardless of being booed, which is bullshit, um, you know, regardless putting all that aside it just hasn't been consistently good enough and 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 so it has to end and i i don't know that it can be alone and he comes back and, and reproves himself i don't think it can be that i think he just has to go and and it sucks it really really sucks
0: well it's 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 a, i mean and it sucks cuz it's all it's that it's that onion article, like, the worst person in the world makes a good point, where, like, some of these complaints about tangi leveled for, I would say, bad faith bad faith arguments about tangi where, like, some of them turned out to be true, but I think we saw Conte we actually, I, I don't think there's a better summary of Indomble's career at Spurs than the Liverpool match we had a few weeks ago. He makes a incredible pass to Harry Kane that just breaks Liverpool's defense in two, and Kane is able to make and like score a really good goal off of it. And he is a complete passenger for the rest of his time that he's on the field of that match. It's just like, I couldn't tell you a single thing. Like, the day after, I couldn't have told you a single thing he did in the match beyond that. And it's just like, that is kind of in Dombele's time at Spurs, where you, he shows you these incredible things he's capable of. And I don't know if it's because he doesn't try or because he doesn't, you know, fit certain systems or patterns... But it's just, its like you said, Brian, it's not happening. And I wish that, you know, okay, you have to put up with like Nuno and Mourinho's bullshit and it's not great and you walk into a team that was kind of disintegrating and that's not great. But like, okay, now you have Antonio Conte here and maybe he's a hard ass, but like he's one of the best coaches in the world and you're getting paid a lot of money. Like maybe, again, maybe it's just too far gone and it was never going to work anymore. But like you'd like to think he could knuckle down in that situation, but he's just not producing and if he's also going to just like be that sort of outwardly disrespectful. And, you know, uh, it does, he doesn't deserve to get booed, but it's not good. You know, I, good I understand news, why fans are frustrated with him.
1: The good news is is his departure is now coinciding perfectly with the return from longstanding injury of Giovanni Lo Celso. So now we have a new high-priced midfielder that we can pin all our fantasy hopes about and, what he might possibly be. And uh, it's just like, it's perfect.
0: Don't forget, Ben, we can also irrationally get angry at them when they don't single-handedly win a match, as we've seen for the last two games. So he just, it really, he really is all things to all people here. Uh, it's really quite incredible.
1: It's um, nice to have a new lightning rod.
0: Yeah, exactly. Step I think right
1: into the void. Well, has been, like, fine, I thought. Uh, I mean, my
0: big thing with Lo Celso, other than just, like, seeing him play, is I want to see him play with the good players. And today, he sort of got to do that against Chelsea. But, you know, that game kind of ended very quickly. Um, I don't know. Do we, have any, uh, do we have anything else we want to say about more KMB before we move on? No. No,
1: I mean, I, I think we've kind of said it all. I yeah. think, you know, you look at the team and you see a lot of guys that you've hoped a lot of things for. And for various reasons, none of them have delivered yet. And that makes me sad a little bit. Like, I mean, just going to the team, Doherty, nothing, Tanganga, oh, <laughs> Broden. I'll tell you, if it is
0: crap. true that Tanganga is getting, if we're getting offers of anything around 20 million pounds for from AC Milan, from him, I will, like, fly to Europe and, like, put him on my back and, like, walk to Milan to get him there, like.
1: Yeah, I think none, none of these guys showed us anything about like what their future at Spurs were going to be other than a Tombele <laughs> who showed us it would not be. Well, um, I think
2: that's probably the frustrating thing about this match. And then, and then to a lesser extent, the Chelsea matches, is we played kind of this B team against uh, Morcom. And, you know, we've talked about what the who? pros and cons of the Morcom uh, of the, of the B team thing are. And just, nobody gave you any indication really that they deserve to be in consideration for the first 11 or for, for one of the subs off the bench or whatever. And, and and we didn't even really mix in any young players. Like I know Dane Scarlett got minutes at the end of the match, but I don't think he touched the ball. And it's just like, you know, you know, why doesn't he get a run out? to to start the match you know why it, and and i and i'm not saying that the what eventually happened would have been any different with him on the field versus brian versus uh, you know whoever else but you know like that's the point of these fa cup third round games you're playing against lower opposition like you get to put a couple of kids in the lineup you get to try some guys that are maybe out of favor and see if they can still cut it and and just across the board, everyone we threw out there
0: was just well, so we've seen we've seen this our team has issues dealing with pack defenses. It's like it's honestly it's been the problem. It's the problem against Morecambe. It's been the problem against um, Southampton when they went down to ten men. Watford, you know, these teams just pack it in. And you know, it's sometimes I think the Watford match is a good example of like, you know, some days like, you know, the dog bites you. There's just nothing you can do about it sometimes. Or not nothing you can do about it, but it's like some days it's just they put 11 men behind the ball and it just doesn't go your way. What bothers me about it, and I think it's like the fundamental issue of like why this was such a last stand for Indomble, but it's a problem for the other players too, like you were saying, Brian, is like this is a League One team. I'm not saying I need like Giovanni Lo Celso to go out there and like whip their ass single-handedly, especially when we're playing this like kind of messed up formation, but that like... Like, you were talking about who stood out. Like, I think Sessignon wasn't bad. I think LaSalle wasn't bad. But this is a League One team, guys. Like, I want to see you, like, running mixed and one mixtapes on them. Like, I want to see you embarrassing them. Like, like, you should be able to put in a good performance against a team like this.
1: Right. I mean, Arsenal hung five goals on a shitty League One team not that long ago. Yeah, uh, and when a championship-level
0: team <laughs> like Arsenal can do that, we should be able to do better.
1: Yeah. Uh, well I think we put it off long enough.
0: <laughs> Let's talk about I think we Chelsea. Let's talk
1: about Chelsea.
0: <laughs> it was just it was not good. Like we had a sort of what five minute five to ten minutes of like looking a little lively against them and then Chelsea just reasserted control. And then again, I, I think it was honestly appropriate because the weird thing about this is over the two legs, in each of the two legs, I think Spurs were wildly outplayed by Chelsea. I think by Chelsea was by far the better team. But every single goal that we conceded was not because of a particular moment of magic from Chelsea. It was because some Spurs player decided that we needed to put the ball in in our own net. And today it was Gallini, who like... It's just awful. Like, awful. I don't understand why this guy's... on Like, watching games like this. Maybe it's because he's not sharp. Maybe because he's not getting opportunities to play. Maybe it's that simple. But you watch him play today, and you're like, why did we ever sign this guy? It was... Not good, and at that point, after they scored, you know you're down three nil, and Chelsea just like didn't even get you know they didn't even have to ratchet it up at all. They just sort of choked the life out of the game, although we had like three we scored more... three goals, <laughs> yeah, we had three goals or three opportunities to score goals that were probably correctly taken away, but it's still a little shitty to have all three of them taken away, yeah, I. <laughs>
2: I guess the only solace you can take from these two semifinal matches is that basically every goal Chelsea scored was because we did something fucking stupid. Um, so maybe they're not that much better than us.
0: Well, like, Chelsea was outplaying us, and they cut us open a lot. They just never scored for that. <laughs> like yeah.
1: I mean, I the first know. game, they just straight-up murdered us. Yeah, like, but they, they didn't score from any of those
0: really good moves. Like, that's the yeah, thing. Yeah, but, like,
1: then they didn't even bother, like, putting together good but moves. But how much they of they that... They scored early and went exactly. home. Exactly. <laughs> how
0: much of that is just they scored early and didn't have to, like, think about it. Like...
1: Right. And the fact that we just couldn't get anything going, well, think... even under those circumstances. I mean, think about like, it. They were a...
0: so comfortable with their dominance. They played Timo Werner up front. Stat <laughs> Soldado was played up front, missing chances... Putting it wide, you know, like they, they were. That that's the level of disrespect they showed us.
2: And I mean, even if Rudiger gets carded, gets sent off, I don't know. See, that is the one it. bit of
0: bullshit that makes me very angry. I mean, I don't nah, know but we we're still
2: won. not overturning a three goal deficit.
0: No, but like it would have helped if he gets like if we're not getting a penalty there, he should have been sent off. Like it would have been nice. Like, yeah,
2: I don't know. I just. It...
1: We are bad enough. I'm not gonna get mad at the ref, but yeah. But I think also, it, it's if it's not a penalty, it's a last man challenge to dial of a goal scoring opportunity. That's a red card. Yeah. But then they would have just packed ten men behind the ball, and we wouldn't be able to break them down. <laughs> so we still would have lost.
0: I mean, Ben, we we almost scored three goals if the referee had been on the take. So you know, I don't know that talking
2: about this game itself is is at all beneficial to us. I think the only thing that we took away from these two matches is like Chelsea's a lot better than us. Whoa. Um they're a lot deeper of a team. Like look at their bench tonight. And it was like, you know, Conte, Mares, Pulisic, uh Mahrez
1: does not play for Chelsea. <laughs>
2: um no, who am I thinking of? Uh uh Ziyech. Sorry. Wrong. Um, <laughs> wrong. Brian. <laughs> wrong. Oh wrong no. Guy. Sorry. Um <laughs> Uh, you know, like uh, I was I was about to argue with you about Mara's playing Shel. I'm like, no, wait. Um uh, uh, so, but like, they're just a deeper team. Like our bench had, uh, I, uh,
1: it, Joe Roden. <laughs> yeah,
2: like I don't know, like seven fullbacks. Joe Roden, Hugo Lloris. Uh, yeah, like uh, it, it's. And maybe that is because we lost that first round or the first leg to nothing like maybe that's the case. Maybe Conte was like, you know what? fuck it I don't care yeah, well, then why um, is hurricane out
1: there yeah Jeez. exactly
2: that, that, that's that that asks a whole different question but it's just like it, it, it puts into kind of a question to me like where are we with some of these other teams because I think under Conte we had this run and we all talked ourselves into like, All right, top four on the table. You know we're right behind. You know the 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 four spots up for grabs. Those three at the top are there, and that's fine. We're behind them, but like you know we're really really close to being a Champions League team. And you know I know Chelsea are like the third team in that top three, but man, we are so far behind them. Uh, Just in terms of talent, just in terms of depth. It, it's, it's really worrying in a, like, I know we've always kind of been behind them in terms of depth. We don't have the money. We don't spend the money that they spend. You know, they've had better managers over the last, you know, however long a period of time, but man, just the, the gap in talent and, and, and depth feels bigger than it has felt in a long time.
1: Yeah. And like, as a team, like they seemed like they had, You know, they've had Tuchel for a year now. Like, they know what they're doing under him. They played like a team who knows how to to beat other good teams. And, you know, I think they hit the skids a little bit in the league over the last few weeks. And we kind of talked ourselves into, you know, wheels falling off. They were falling out with Lukaku. You know, like, maybe thirds on the cards. And, uh, yeah, this is a very rude awakening.
0: (laughs) But in some ways, I think if we're going to have this kind of rude awakening, I feel like we're doing it in cups. Like, I mean, I'd like to beat Chelsea, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I want to beat them. If I was going to have this kind of rude awakening, I'd kind of rather have it against, you know, someone who isn't a team I intensely hate. But, you know, it, in some way, I mean, we talked a lot about when Conte came in here. It's like, we're going to learn about these players. Like, and we're going to be able to trust what we learn about these players. We're not going to play these games about it. And guess what we're learning? Um, you know, on the one hand, these games are incredibly humbling. They show how thin we are. But also, you know, you take out Dyer, you take out um, both of our halfway decent left backs, you know, you get rid of anyone who can pass out that back line, and you see what can happen to it. Like, you know, in a month, God willing, we're going to have a back line with, like, you know, two, like three out of the five players in today's back line won't be playing, God willing, uh, you know, then we're going to have Romero back, Dyer will be back, Reguilon or Cessignon um, will be in there. You know, I think that's going to make a difference. We have more if, Adama, if we sign Adama, which may or may not be a good thing, but we'll talk about that later. Um, you know, it's, it's, on the one hand, it's like good to know that like we didn't get our asses whipped like this with our first choice squad, but it also shows how thin we are. Now, at the same time, we're only in one cup competition now so like you know the, the stress on our squad even with all the games in hand we have is going to be reduced but you know i don't know like conte's been pretty honest about where spurs are and if he you know i was always skeptical about getting conte because there's a lot of, there's a lot of work to do on this team but if he's like sort of honest with himself about where we are and what needs to be done and like okay cuz You know, anything we get out of him this year, I think we all figured out was gravy. Um, Because we all knew this team needed a lot of... I mean, we've talked for years now about how much dead wood needed to be shipped out of this team. And the fact that some of the players were throwing him into dead wood now is a little depressing. But, you know, we knew how much work needed to be done on this team. And, you know, I'd rather not learn it the hard way. But if I am going to have to learn it the hard way, I'd rather do it in a cup match like we did today. And not fuck up our chances of finishing in the top four. I just think the hard realization that we've had to come to over the last week
2: is that the player some of the players that we were all pinning like hopes on are just not going to be part of this. Like I think that we thought and I I hope I'm not speaking for the two of you I think I think collectively we all thought you know Conte would come in and Conte would get the best out of the guys that were actually our best players and that meant you know, lacelso that meant Ndombele, that meant, you know, Winks and Son. And it, it definitely didn't mean Lucas, um, which I guess is a nice surprise. And it didn't mean Dyer, which, again, a nice surprise. But, like, it's not what I thought. And to just kind of be at this position now where you're looking at it in, in, in the broader context and you're saying, okay, like— these things that we did to finally move on from Musa Dembele and move this team to toward having a functional midfield that wasn't just the uh, Winks and Sissoko is now like done. Like the, the actual world-class elite manager who always finds a way to work in good players and figure out a role for them and, 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 play to their strengths has finally said to these guys like, no, I have no idea what to do with you. Sorry. And, you know, even though like obviously Ndombele didn't play tonight, he was on the bench and, and, and Conte, I think had some interesting comments uh, after the match about why he wasn't included in this all. Um, it's just, <laughs> it, it it's, it's a hard realization to come to, 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 to feel like, the stuff that we've been doing that we or that we've been pitting our hopes on is just like, eh, nah, didn't really work out. And now we have to, now we have to rebuild even more than I think we thought we did. We're like, oh, okay, we get a couple more players in and we can make this work because Ndombele will be good. Lasoso will be good. That's that sorted. And now it's just like, eh, nah, we actually have to figure that whole situation out again.
0: I think you're I right. Think, yeah. But almost simultaneously when we signed Conte, I, I think I was preparing myself for that, but I think, I think we all would have been ready for that when we signed Conte. But then, like you said, Brian, we were so good for those, like, for that month and a half or whatever it's been, that we were like, oh, well, this is all going to work out. And it's been a bit of a rude awakening. Ben?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, like, I, I talked about this a lot over the last couple of weeks about how exciting it was to see Delhi have a good game and Bergvine have a good game and, and Domble show good moments and Harry Weeks, you know, be revitalized. And it felt like it wasn't just going to be those 11 guys who we started with and started getting us good with. It felt like, okay, that was a core that he was building around, and then the rest of these guys were going to work their way into the team. And over the span of like a week and a half, it now feels like, nope, that's it. That's, these are our 11 guys, and they better be healthy for the rest of the season because we have no other guys. Um, like Lo Celso is like the only guy left to like to dream on, you know, and like Romero coming back. Everything else is, it's like, yep, we have we have a 11 first-team players with, like, three or four guys off the bench, and hopefully we have few enough games that that can go the distance. Um, and now we get to the summer, and we need to fill out a squad with, like, well, eight more guys. The
0: reporting is that Spurs want to bring in about three to four players in January, that's a right wing back, a center back, a midfielder, and a striker, or some sort of attacker, I guess, is sort of how it's being phrased. The only one that we've had extremely concrete, um, like actual media links to is Adama Traore, who is, (laughs) you know, it's weird, like just how much trust I have in Conte already. Because, like, if any other manager wanted to buy him, I I was very wary of getting him when we had Nuno here. And Nuno's is a guy who knows how to use Adama. Um, But I was very wary about getting Adama because I think a lot of, Football nerds like to, like, talk about how great his runs are. And that's fine until he plays for your team every week. And you got to watch what he does with his final ball. But if Conte right. thinks he can get I something mean, out of him, then God bless. Like,
1: fine. like. All right. I mean, I think anybody who's ever watched Adama is, like, sees that he's all sizzle, no steak. And you always dream that, like, oh, a good manager is all it would take to turn that sizzle into, like, some actual final product. And it's just... Keeps not happening year after year, and he, you know, he isn't even a regular starter at Wolves anymore. His price tag has gone from forty million pounds to twenty million pounds, and it's like there's reasons for all these things. But yeah, I do feel like, well, if Conte wants him, then if nothing else, ah, we're gonna find it out. It's gonna be
0: like we're gonna find out like how good actually is he because if Conte can Conte can make Victor Moses an effective wingback, like
1: <laughs> right, and like you know, Nuno buying Adam Traore for forty million pounds was not an exciting proposition, but it was like, well, if that's what he needs, we might it's gonna be better than the alternative. But now at half the price with a good manager, we've wasted 20 million pounds on dumber guys. Like I mean, we spent more than that on Brian. We spent more than that on Bergvine. We spent more than that on Suzoko. Like we can afford to blow 20 million (sighs) pounds. The problem is is that like we just keep missing on every transfer well, we make. I think that's like, the
0: thing that is so frustrating about our transfer. Because It's not just that we keep missing. We miss on guys who like smart football people. Like Indomble was a smart signing. Like LaSalle, these are the kind of signings that a team like Spurs needs to make. That's a frustrating, that's to me the most frustrating thing about Indomble Isn't that he's this like super flair player that we're just not seeing at Spurs. It's that we did everything that people always complain we don't do that our own fans complain we don't do we got a guy other teams wanted we paid we spent a fair amount of money on him we paid him a huge salary we did like all the things that we were accused of always being too cheap or too tentative to do we like did it with him and it didn't work out and it's like we've had so many guys were like like you look at like all those guys we signed for Pochettino, and we just hit the lottery on, like, Christian Erickson. Like, I know the Bale 7 wasn't, like, a huge success, but, like, you know, a lot of guys really panned out over those years for us. And, you know, you have to go back further to guys like Kyle Walker. But even that, like, Kyle Walker and Danny Rose, like, guys we bought very young. Like, that panned out in a huge way. And we just haven't hit the lottery on anyone lately. And what's frustrating is on some of these guys, namely Lo Celso and Ndombele, We've like been buying the kind of players we should have been buying and it just doesn't work.
2: Well, I don't know what a, what a good transfer success rate is. Like, should it be like, you know, one out of every five guys you sign is, you know, like actually works out. I I mean, to me, it should be better than that. But like, I don't know, like, you know, look at Chelsea. We, we we just talked about him, you know, uh, Stat sheet soldado, they paid a ton of money for
0: Timo Werner. That has not worked out. Well, here's the but that and that's the thing that I think sucks is like, if we sign Timo Werner, let's say Harry Kane leaves and we signed him as a replacement, or Harry Kane never existed, like that cripples Spurs. That is a huge problem for Tottenham Hotspur. Sure. With Chelsea, it's just like eh, that's kind of a pain in the ass. Like, you know, right. Yeah, I mean, well, but I mean,
2: you know, if you look at Chelsea now, they have they have Werner and Lukaku who are maybe not working out the way they thought, and so and but you're right, even still, they're still third in the league. Like, you know, uh, yeah, it's um,
1: right. I don't know. They can know. afford to take a bath on guys like that, and we. Die. <laughs> oh I mean,
2: but if you look at like financials like we should be able to afford to take a bath on those guys we like, can
0: afford to take a bath we can't afford to take a bath and keep finishing in the top four like we yeah. need those guys to perform at least at some level we need at least like the eric lamella experience where like maybe not what you were buying but still pretty useful like and i think uh, sorry ben but i
2: guess I, I, one thing is i think we're still paying the price for that one summer where we signed nobody and and I, I I'm sure it's probably really annoying for for Spurs fans to hear people still harp on that, but like that was a summer where we just wasted any sort of potential refresh to this squad. And I'm not saying that any of the guys we would have signed that summer would have been amazing or that they would have been um, the guys or or that it would have made a difference now. But it's just you have to you have to take risks and you have to like try stuff. You know, like, you know, we had to try Lucas and Aurier, and like, eh, that worked out okay. Uh, you have to try with a, a, a Pape Sar or whatever, like, and maybe that'll work out. I don't know. Maybe he's actually not that good, but he's a, he was at the time we bought him an 18-year-old, now 19-year-old lottery ticket. Maybe he's he'll be amazing. Maybe he'll be you know, Musa Sissoko. I have no idea. I have no idea.
1: I mean, but I do to Obviously, not signing anybody was bad. But the fact is, is in the last few transfer windows, we've signed plenty of guys and just had no luck. I mean, here are, here are signings who have, I think, done nothing. We have Brian Heal, Matt Doherty, Tangi Ndombele, Jack Clark, Davison Sanchez, Joe Roden, Fernando Urente, Stephen Bergbein, Ryan Cessignon have all been l- largely busts. We got some value out of Serge Aurier. Emerson Royale looks okay. Regulon looks pretty good. And Lucas is somehow one of our best players. Um, we have Hoybjerg, who, solid, non-spectacular. And we're still dreaming on Romero, Giovanni Lo Santo, or Los Celso. <laughs> Giovanni Los we're still dreaming on him. We're still <laughs> dreaming From All him. these years.
0: He
2: and hasn't on... come
1: out of the
0: nightclub yet. It's it's going to happen. Ugh.
1: Uh, and, and I the forgot definition one I would football. I would
0: argue we got our money's worth out of Fernando Llorente but I can't argue with that list um
1: it's just like if you you look at our team and it's still hanging on by the thread of Pochettino's guys and Kane, well, Son, I mean, Ben a, Davis, Hugo like to, to th- we have done is, anything to make that team better than what it was and not even better like just to maintain that level of like goodness it's just we keep throwing money at at guys who are just not delivering. And, but I, I think, mean, I think, Ben, I think what's can frustrating that? about
0: that list is it's not, like, full of Moussa Sissokos, where it's, like, when the transfer happens, you're like, uh-oh. Like, I don't know how good an idea this is. Like, we kind of need to, like, beat the odds here to, like, make this transfer a success. Those are a lot of, like, maybe not to the level of Ndombele and lacelso, but, like, like, those are a lot of, like, good names on paper when when we bought them. You know, and, well, I mean, but, like, you, I mean, you go through that list. Look at some of those names. Like, I mean, how many of those names are just, like, you look at it and you have that instant reaction, like, that was a bad idea. Like, immediately after it happened. Like,
1: I mean, Doherty was a
0: bad idea. Okay, is I mean, a bad idea. That's think, fair. <laughs>
1: anyway, and I think Fernando Llorente, we... We knew he was not going to deliver anything like what he had done at Swansea. Yeah, well, he Um, put us in
0: the Champions League uh, semifinals, so, you know, I can't really fault him. He tried to fight West Ham by himself. But Fernando Llorente's like, again, like, you fuck up on Fernando Llorente, who cares? Like, you're not paying him anything. That's one thing. But, like, Serge Aurier, like, again, I I know Matt Law was making fun of him on Twitter. And I know we've complained a lot about him on this podcast. But, like, at the end of the day, Aurier was at least, like, a productive player for Spurs. You want more yeah. than that, but he's at least giving you something. But you
1: you look at some of those but other that's guys. Like, that's the that's best-case scenario, right, is we've gotten productive players. You're like right. Like Serge Orge, who's, like, functional but kind of shitty and is a total liability a lot of times. Like, look, we uh, haven't yeah. had one go through that, like stellar signing. He'll
0: go through that, like, two-month phase where he's really killing it, and then he's liability for, like, the rest of the season. But but you have a guy like Juan Foyth. You have a guy – I mean, these are, like, again, these are guys on paper who make a certain level of sense. And we're just like not hitting on any of them. None of them are sort of producing at the level we need them to. And it's just like you know, I think that's where it's so irritating with what's happened with Ndombele and, into a lesser extent Loscello, is like we didn't like fuck around with those guys. We got young, talented midfield, like two of the best young, talented midfielders in Europe. I remember being so excited coming into this season after Champions League, we were gonna fucking kill it. So we have fixed our midfield and we are going to, like, dominate the Premier League, and neither of those guys... Like, even lacelso who I don't think it's really his fault because he's been hurt so much, and he wasn't hurt before he came here, so that's great. But, like, n- those guys have just not produced for one reason or another at the level that Spurs need to. They can't afford to just eat that money in the way that Chelsea can.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's just a bad list, and, like, <laughs> we just desperately need something to inject some life into this team. We need a guy like, like son is the only guy we've signed in forever. Who's like actually brought this team to a new level. Um, Since, since Christian Erickson out of the Bale seven, like yeah. we just need somebody who is somebody.
2: And I guess kind of returning to the Adama thing that we we, we started off this conversation about, at least you can look at Adama and go, he might be exciting. I mean, I, I I don't know. I, I I just like when he's on wolves, I find him very like terrifying. Like when he's playing against us and I find him very, you know, intriguing to watch when he's playing against other teams, but he's not playing right wing back. Um, And if he's playing for us, I don't know how I end up feeling about him, but of the people we're being linked with, he's at least exciting and interesting. Uh, like, like he's someone who you could look at and go, oh, this is a player that I can, you know, I can get behind who's going to be, you know, creating cool stuff. Who's going to make this team maybe tick in a way that some of the other guys we're linked with are just like, like, yeah, we need that. But they're not exciting.
0: I mean... I don't know. I think we're. I, I think the last few. We we played a bunch of teams that packed it in, and we had two bad cup matches. I, I think we're probably a little more down on this team than we ought to be. Conte's worked miracles. This team, even on, in, in these matches, I think this team. I mean, maybe the Chelsea matches excluded. This team has just looked so much better than what we've been watching for the last two years. It really is an improvement, and I think, I think we should be excited about who we're going to bring in because. You know, I don't think Conte's here unless he's got a very heavy hand in our transfer process. And if you want someone, like God bless, like bring him in. I'm like I've bought in. I'm a, if he thinks Adama triori can be a right wing back, then let's fucking find out. Because you're right, Brian. He is terrifying. Like, and I know we're not the only <laughs> team. I mean, teams don't have this reaction all the time to him. But like, we're not the only team that plays them. And triori is just terrifying to play against, even if he doesn't have a ton of end product. I mean. I don't know. I'm excited about who we could bring in this window because it feels like we have and it feels like we have a coherent plan for the first time in forever and it's increasingly look like, at least watching Golini today, it's increasingly looking like we didn't have a super coherent plan last summer other than let's go buy some guys. But... Oh yeah, I
1: know. forgot to include Golini in that list. Of, yeah, and, and yeah Joe he Harden might be at the bottom
0: that of that. Might be at the bottom of that list, but You know, I mean, our backup keepers have always sucked, but at least they could, like, get on a heater and, like, stop some shots for a while, but Golini can't even do that, so I don't know, it's, it's, I have a lot of faith in in Conte, I, I think that we have been between injuries and fixture congestion, I think we've seen a depleted team, which in some ways is very clarifying, but I think... I, I think we're gonna be fine this half of the season. I think I think you're gonna start to see some strength, especially if we can reinforce this month. If we actually sign three to four guys. And again, it should be clear, as of the time of this recording, Triori is the only one that we have been like really concretely linked to. But I don't know. I'm excited I, I'm excited. I think I think it's we shouldn't be down about where this team is headed right now.
1: Yeah, I mean we're coming back from such a fucking hole. And like Conte has already given us so much to be happy about that I think the future looks really good. But, you know, signing three, four guys in January, when does that ever happen? <laughs> I hope we do it. I really hope we do because we have money and we have a good coach. Like, now is a good time to invest. But,
0: ah. Ben, you want to maybe, maybe if you start bringing out the lucky underwear again, you can, uh, Facilitate these signings. That's
1: fun. my lucky underwear is uh, I think too small for me these days. <laughs> I've probably gained a little weight since uh, our last trophy, but uh, I still have that ratty pair of underwear that I wore in the Carling Cup semi-final and final. <laughs> well, Ben, the question um, is sealed in a bag. The
0: question is, do you want to beat Arsenal? And if they're that small, maybe excite your wife. You know, I mean, how much do you love this team?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's like a hole big enough for one of my balls to drop through in the crotch. But your wife's an Arsenal excited, fan, man. Right? How high
0: can her standards be? So,
1: yeah, who doesn't want to see a little brain hanging on the nice couch? I, I don't <laughs> you wear really pants I don't over be the bed. I'm not telling you you have
0: to just just wear them. Oh,
1: well, you told me to excite my wife. I don't. This is this is how I do it. I don't know. It's never worked out. I haven't had a kid yet, but. <laughs>
2: One
0: of these days. So anyway, hey. Yeah, let's move on from the fact that I'm the only confirmed sex haver on this podcast. So, um, yeah, we're playing playing Arsenal this weekend. Arsenal's been on um, really improved form since about the time we hired Conte, which I'm frankly insulted by. I don't know how are you feeling going into this game. They've had some not great performances lately, but they also handled their FA Cup bullshit a lot better than we did. So Uh
2: I think Arsenal are really interesting right now. Um I still have no idea what to make of Mikel Arteta as a manager and uh just like a just a coach in general. I I, I I struggle to see that this Arsenal team is any different than Arsenal teams of the last couple years uh, in terms of like they really haven't figured out their midfield. They haven't really done much with their defense, um, but they've got, you know, some good young players that they're given opportunities to and, um, you know, they've got a good goalkeeper. And so they're just performing better. Um, I don't have a handle on if they're outperforming numbers, or if they are, you know, just fortunate. I just, you know, I (laughs) think... Yeah, I think they're just fine. Yeah. Like, it's frustrating because, as we've talked about in the last couple years, like, we had a couple years where Arsenal were really shit, and we didn't do anything to kind of like, make the gap between us bigger, or we didn't really, like, just beat the brakes off them a few times. Like, they just kind of got to finish in shitty positions and we didn't really take any enjoyment or as much enjoyment as we
1: could. A few cups along the way. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Which is even more annoying. Uh, So uh, I don't know. I, I I look at this Arsenal team and there's, they are doing some things with some of these young players that I, you know, I'm jealous of, like, you know, they've got Saka and Smith Rowe, who seem to be pretty good players who are guys that have come through their Academy. And I'm like, you know, why aren't we doing that with some of our Academy players? Um, but then they've also just, like, still play Granite Xhaka a lot. And their defense is still just not great. And, and they're just getting away with it. I don't know. I, I just have no grasp on if they're actually, like, a contender for top four with
1: us. I mean, I I think, you know... Odegaard was a guy who everyone was very excited about and a lot of stats guys were like oh all he has is pretty passing he hasn't married that with any production and all of a sudden he's figured that out um and Odegaard is looking like a actually good talent well Odegaard and was Martinelli- Odegaard was
0: excellent at Sociedad like what was it two years ago now three years ago I don't remember how fucking long ago it was but like they built their team around him for that year, and I just never thought Arsenal would do that. And he's I mean, playing decently right now, so
1: <clears throat> he's a boy who likes to pass the ball, and Arteta sure likes that. Um, but yeah, I mean Martinelli, who has been a hot prospect for them for a while, has you know struggled with injuries, has been back, and has been in killer form. You know they finally exiled Yang, who's been shit for years. Um, that's really just That's honestly the most disappointing thing about this Arsenal team. <laughs> you know, and, the, and I mean, the fact is, like, Grant Jacca is, you know, a head case who gets red cards, but, like, moves the ball well and does play some defense and works hard and, like, does, like, makes them better than their alternatives. Like, he's not the best midfielder in the world, but I would play him in our midfield <laughs> right now um, rather than, you know, skipping Hoybeer's lateral passing masterclass. Um, you know, I think the big thing for us is is Thomas Party is at the African Cup of Nations right now, and he is, in my opinion, you know, the kind of one piece that holds the whole thing together, and I'm not sure how they can compensate um, for his absence, but I'm sure they'll show us on Sunday. Well, if if, if nothing else, I feel
0: like we're going to, I don't know. It feels like we're about to get some fullbacks back. It seems like Dot, at least as of again, we're recording this Wednesday night in America. Yeah, the rumors are Dyer will be back by this weekend, which I think will make a huge difference because he can actually like pass a ball. But man, I don't know. It's just I really want to beat. I really want to beat them. Dyer and Romero are allegedly back. Romero really
2: is that? I think that was the ITK that was floating around. Was that he'd be <laughs> back for the North London Derby?
0: Man, Romero gets sent off in, like, 20 minutes, but that would be fun to Wasn't watch. Wasn't
2: that also his first Spurs match was the first North London Derby? God,
0: that's not telling I how I remember. Uh, Yeah, I, I'm really eager to see Romero integrated back into this team because I think he will instantly improve. I mean, having, like, three guys who know how to pass the ball in our back three as opposed to, like, one or two is just going to make a huge difference, I think.
2: Because I think what Romero got... Two or three matches under Conte before he got injured on international. No, break? he's
0: been. I think mean, he's been hurt ever since Conte got here. Okay. Yeah.
2: I have no. I mean, if we were there. more professional, we'd have known that.
0: But we don't have a Patreon account. Like some more <laughs>
1: popular. We podcast could have too. a Patreon
2: account if somebody would do a little bit of extra work.
1: Yeah. You Yeah, Greg. Yeah, yeah, that's you what this want, podcast on, needs. <laughs> host. Host.
0: Uh, anyway, so, I don't know. I'm
1: just a lovable sidekick, and Brian's yeah. on mute. What, what do you want from us? <laughs> I'm not on mute. <laughs> no, you're, still,
0: you're on the slopes, so. Eh, anyway. jealous. <laughs> a little bit. Um, you could be having fun, too, Greg. But no, I had a kid because I'm the only sex haver on this podcast. Yes, but we're,
2: Ben and I I are getting, (laughs) Ben and I are getting sleep. That's, That's, and at the end of the day, isn't that more important?
1: Like I, it's just it's really cute to see you hold up a child as proof of how much sex you're having when we all know had had Ben exactly. I never I never claimed okay. it
0: as a as a current standard of your living it's not that's, a going concern past accomplishments I'm talking about past accomplishments here well I can't yeah. think of a better note to end it on so
1: neither can your wife
0: <laughs> I'll bet
1: she could actually <laughs> honestly yeah Ben where can people find you on the internet. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at comradeuspers. Spurs. Uh, Brian, where can people find you on the internets?
2: You can find me on Twitter also at Brian
0: underscore Ashlock. That is Brian with a Y. And you can find me on Twitter at Skipjack0079. Don't forget to find our podcast Twitter feed at WDR Podcast. That's WDR as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. For Ben, for Brian, for Brett Rainbow, and for Tottenham Hotspur, I've been your host, Greg. Come on, you Spurs.